0: invite you, North Roanoke, to take your copy of God's Word and join me in turning to the Gospel of Luke. We'll not be continuing in our series through Mark during this Advent season. um, We'll return to Mark's Gospel in the month of January, and um, I'm already missing Mark in a way, so I can't wait to be back there with you. A couple of announcements. One, there are some cards, inviter cards, that you will be able to receive as you exit this morning. They simply provide a schedule on the back for some of our special services and events coming up in the month of December. These are things you can take with you. I I just put them in my car yesterday. I handed one out at the gas station. I hand them out to servers at restaurants. I hand them out to neighbors, friends, anybody that I know doesn't have a church home and might be interested in the things of God, a great tool to put in their hands and say, hey, would you be my friend, would you be my guest at North Roanoke Baptist Church this Christmas season? So these are available for you as you depart to pick up. Pick up as many as you feel like you're going to genuinely give away and uh, make this a time where we're reaching others for the sake of Christ and the gospel. Secondly, at 4 o'clock today, what's happening? What's happening? It's our children's musical. Four o'clock when? Today, right? The King and Me. The King and Me today at four o'clock. So I, I want to encourage you to come and be a part of what God has been doing through our children's ministry and through Jake and the volunteers over the last couple months now. Um, and, and as an added incentive, everybody who comes gets a free pizza dinner immediately following. All right? So please come back. Don't let it just be the kids and their families and their grandparents. Come out and support our children in the work that they have done um, today at 4 o'clock. All right, Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, in a message that I've titled, Celebrate Christmas Because of Who Jesus Is. Celebrate Christmas because of who Jesus is. Hear now the word. of God. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept wondering what kind of salutation this was. The Lord said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God, and behold... You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason... The Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Would you bow with me? Lord, we ask that through the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you would help us to comprehend uh, some of the truths that you have given to us in this text, that we would be reminded of the joy of Christmas, that fundamentally, that it emanates from the person of Christmas. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Christmas is a great time. I, I love the Christmas season. Do you, do you like Christmas? Half of you do, and half of you are still deciding whether you're going to be here or not this morning. You know, we're at church today, and, um, and we're in Luke's Gospel, Chapter 1. Are you out there? Is this on? Okay, alright. Jesus is King of the universe, and we get to know Him. Are you excited about that? Alright. So, so I love Christmas, and I love it for, for lots of reasons. Calories, <laughs> cholesterol, um, biscuits and gravy. My mom always makes biscuits and gravy at Christmas time, and I, I love biscuits and gravy. And some of you who immigrated here from north of the Mason Dixon line may not know what biscuits and gravy is. <laughs> it's it's awesome. Is you need if you've not had biscuits and gravy, you need homemade southern biscuits and gravy. And just let me know, and, and I'll, I'll send you to somebody's house, and, and we will get, get that taken care of. But there's lots to love about Christmas, family and the emotion and all the things, the trimmings that come with Christmas. But one of my favorite things about Christmas is coming up with a gift that's unexpected, and yet fits the person just right. Sometimes I'm able to do this for my beautiful wife. Sometimes I totally strike out and can't come up with anything, so I have to take her to Target and say, "Just pick something off the rack." I I got nothing. (laughs) This this year, (laughs) it's pretty bad. Yeah. (laughs) This year, this year I have the perfect gift for my son Samuel. He uh, he has really taken to golf. And courtesy of Bradley Harper, I got a recommendation of this indoor putting surface that we can. So yesterday, I spent almost all day making room in my basement, on my floor of my basement, to put in this indoor putting surface where he can practice his putting. And it's it rolls like a real putting green, like a real championship green. You could actually cut holes in it; ball rolls in, doesn't have to go up. It's an amazing gift. He's gonna love it. I can't wait. And it's fun for me. I enjoy giving at Christmas more than I enjoy getting. I like getting stuff. It's nice. But I really enjoy giving the perfect gift that was unexpected. But God does something even better than that. His gift is so amazing. It's so incredible and magnificent and wonderful and marvelous, and whatever adjective you can add in, that He doesn't have to give you something that's unexpected What He gives you is what He's told you in all of the Old Testament to expect, and He gives it to you in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, His Son. He's like, everything you were looking for, all the deliverance and forgiveness of sin and forever life and the kingdom, I'm going to give it to you in one single package. I'm going to give it to you in Jesus. Many of you know the song, Mary, Did You Know? It's a great song. Some of you love it, and and I enjoy it, but... But every time I hear the question, Mary, did you know that your baby boy... Yes, she knew. We just read about it. <laughs> Gabriel came and told her, you've been favored by God. Verse 28, favored means that she's been blessed by God. She's received something unserved as a free gift of God's grace. In other words, there's some Christian traditions that are like, man, isn't Mary amazing? No, she's not amazing. She's a vessel of the grace of God. The point of the passage isn't that there's something about Mary, but that there's something about Jesus. God has given Mary His divine favor in the form of the privilege of conceiving and carrying and bearing in her womb the fulfillment of the promises of God. She gets to bring Jesus to the world. And guess what? When you get saved and the Holy Spirit of God transforms your heart, and you have a relationship with the King of Glory, in a sense you've got Jesus on the inside, then you're a bit like Mary. You are called to give birth, if you will, to Jesus, to a lost and dying world that needs to know Him. We celebrate the birth of Jesus because of who Jesus is. He is God's gift that was expected, but I, I would say even more than we expected. To understand the the blessing that God gives us in the gift of Jesus, there's three things that we must see in this text. First, Jesus is the promised son of a woman. Secondly, Jesus is the promised Davidic king. And thirdly, Jesus is the son of God. First, we need to see that Jesus is the son of a woman. Guys, I'm sorry to tell you, but most births, of men don't come with an announcement from heaven. Right? Most of you just show up. But when it comes to Jesus, like several of the sons in the Old Testament who lead to Him, He comes with a birth announcement. Back in Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve sin in the garden, He says to Adam and Eve, one day a son is going to come who will crush Satan and it will be a son of woman. In Genesis 17, 19, God says to Abraham, Sarah, your wife will bear you a son, and you'll call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his seed or his son after him. A few chapters later, Abraham takes Isaac up Mount Moriah to be offered as a sacrifice, believing that God, Hebrews 11 tells us, would raise him from the dead if necessary. But God stops Abraham from sacrificing his son and says, one day the sacrifice will be provided. So from Genesis forward, we're looking for a Satan-destroying son of woman who is the seed of Adam, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Judah, who will be the basis of God's unfailing and forever relationship between God and His people. Some of you think the Old Testament is about Israel. The point of Israel is to show us the Son of Man who is qualified to save all the sons of men, going all the way back to Adam, not just to Abraham. The reason God picks Israel is to get us to Jesus, who is the Savior not of just Israel, but He's the Savior of the world all of those who come to Jesus and become true Israel from the beginning God's word is clear God's promised salvation will come to God's people through a human son and verse 31 clearly shows us that Jesus is a human son he's a human being he's conceived in Mary's womb Mary will later bear him and he will have a name and then in Luke 2:52 we hear this Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So like other humans, Jesus is conceived, He's born, He's given a name, and He grows in stature. Some of you here may also grow in wisdom like Jesus did. But he, all of us grow in stature. The full humanity of Jesus is foundational to the Gospel. Adam and Eve's sin corrupted us. It led us to consistently choose sin... And selfishness, and it placed us under the curse of death. Eternal separation from the favorable presence of God and His reign. The only hope that we had, brothers and sisters, is that another son would come and die for our sins and give us the obedience that we failed to give to God. And here's the good news. Paul tells us in Romans five nineteen. For through the one man's disobedience, meaning Adam, many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, many will be made righteous. Jesus gives to God the obedience we did not give in order that we might be made right with God. Some of you, when you think about Jesus, you you think, you know, I understand that He obeyed in all the places that I failed, but He was Jesus. Almost like He was cheating. Like He would take off His cloak and open it up and you'd see a big S on His chest. Super Jesus. Right? And because He was Jesus, he didn't re- it wasn't really hard for Him like it is for me. Oh, quite the contrary. He is the Son of Man, but He was also the Son of God. And when He was on the cross, He could have called a thousand angels. He could have been anywhere else in the world or the universe that He wanted to be. In fact, He's God. He could have spoken another universe into existence and gone and lived there, but instead He stayed on the cross to redeem and reconcile this universe and to be the King of glory. Jesus is not some sort of third thing between God and man. He's not a cyborg with half a divine mind and half of a human mind. He's a hundred percent man obeying under the power and fullness of the Holy Spirit, just like we are called to do, But we fail. We mess up. But He never messes up. And He does this to give His sin-free self in place of sin-stained sinners. Because it is impossible, Hebrews tells us, for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. We needed a man to take the sins of men and Paul tells us that Jesus is that man for there is one God and one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus 1 Timothy 2:5 to be a mediator for us Jesus had to become like us as a man Jesus knows your temptations he knows your darkest moments your greatest weaknesses and where you failed he did not this is why Jesus gets the name Jesus. The name Jesus means salvation. The name Jesus is the same word in the Old Testament, Joshua. Joshua was the one who led the Israelites into the promised land. They crossed the Jordan. They go and they march around the walls of Jericho and the walls come tumbling down. And then, just a chapter later, you've got the sin of Achan. Joshua can get them to the promised land, but he can't keep them in the promised land. Jesus is the greater Joshua who leads the people of God into the promised land, and he keeps them there, free from enemy attack or influence forever. In Jesus, sins are forgiven, death is overcome, deliverance into the forever life of God and the forever land of God's blessing has come. That, my brothers and sisters, is salvation, and salvation is Jesus. But Jesus is not just the son of a woman. He's not just son of man. Secondly, we must see that Jesus is the promised Davidic king. In verse 32 and 33, Gabriel moves from, Hey Mary, just thought I'd let you know you're going to have a pretty special son, to this. By the way, he gets David's throne. And he's going to be over God's chosen people in a kingdom that will never, ever end. Jesus is the King that Mary had been waiting for while others had abandoned the hope that Jesus would come or accepted an alternate vision of hope. I submit to you, brothers and sisters, we're in a similar place as where Mary was. Mary's from Nazareth. She's in a no-name town, in a no-name region She's not in the temple precinct. She's not in the in crowd. She's not with the Pharisees. She's just out there trusting that the God who's made a promise is one day going to keep His promise to His people. And that's kind of like us. We watch Fox News and CNN, and we look at the world crumbling around us, and we look at the failures of our world leaders and men all across our country. And if we look to the news cycle, if we look to our... Facebook feed, if we look to what Google says, many of us have kind of copped out and accepted an alternate vision of hope. Well, maybe I could just make the most out of this life. Maybe I could just patch it together in this life. But we must not do that. We must be like Mary, keeping our eyes fixed on the promises of God, and God shows up and says, Jesus is going to come, and going to come through you. And oh, by the way, He's going to be a king. He's not just going to be your counselor. He's not just going to be your friend. You know, so I think sometimes we think about Jesus like he's a life coach. You know, I just, just give you a few tips for your life as it already is and help you manage your life a little bit better, get your calendar together, get your priorities in order, and that, that's who Jesus is. But Jesus is king, he's going to get the throne, the forever throne of David. Jesus is in the business of building a worldwide kingdom that expands in the same way that He made it possible for us to get in the kingdom in the first place. How is it that we can get in the kingdom? Through the mind-blowing, selfless, and sacrificial servanthood of Christ the King Himself. How is it that the King goes forward? We follow Him on the way to the cross. He did not come. Jesus didn't come to make us comfortable in our culture, but to give us His comfort as we Follow Him in living counter-cultural lives. Are you all awake this morning? This, This is important. Because Christmas is comfortable in the South. We put up the greens, we put up the lights, everybody gets presents, we eat all the food we like. It's a comfortable time. But Christmas wasn't comfortable for Jesus. He left the throne room of glory to go to a manger. On His way, by the way, it doesn't get better, it gets worse. To go to a cross, that's the message of Christmas. And He does it so that we could populate His kingdom. And Jesus isn't just any king. He's the king who surpasses all other kings. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. During David's reign, God put Israel on her path to her greatest economic prosperity, her greatest peace, and her greatest territorial advance. But enemies remained, and soon Israel slowly unraveled because of her idolatry and sin. But not before God made this promise to King David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Listen to the Word of God. I've been with you wherever you've gone. I've fall t- off all your enemies from before you, and I will make you a great name, like the names of the great men who are on earth. Did you see what it said in Luke 1.32? He will be great. I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, that they may live in their own place and not be disturbed again, nor will the wicked afflict them any more as they formerly did, even from the day that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. And you remember David wanted to build a temple for God and God said, no, you got it all wrong. I'm going to build a temple for you. Guess what? That's the church. That's you and me and dwelled by the spirit of God. When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your seed after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of His kingdom forever." Now that's interesting. God just said He was going to build the house and then He tells us the Son's going to build the house. How is it possible that God's going to build the house, but the Son's going to build the house? Well, I'll tell you, that's in point three, that the Son of Man is the King and He's the Son of God. You see, God promises to raise up a son after David who will do what no other king could do build and lead a forever kingdom of God's people that is free from enemy opposition who exist for the name of the Lord. In verse 32 and 33, we see that Jesus has a regal position, the throne of David. He has a realm, the house of Jacob, and He has an everlasting reign. When Luke says that Jesus will be over the house of Jacob forever, He is referring to Israel In her ideal state. Not just the little nation state, but the whole world. A nation that's formed out of people of all the nations. Who have believed on Jesus, the true son of promise, who comes from Jacob. This is why I'm excited, by the way, about what's happening in January. When we bring Hobe Marquez on staff, formerly at North Roanoke. Not just church planter of the Hispanic church. But to help us be on mission together as a people, to people of all nations, because Jesus has come for all the nations. The hope of the Gospel is that Rahab, the harlot, Ruth, the Moabite, Esau, Ninevites, and even Gentiles of the nations like us, we can be in the house of Jacob if we are adopted into the family. And we can be adopted into the family if we are cleansed by the blood of God's son and if the kingdom is forever there are a few implications of a forever kingdom his enemies will will be forever vanquished and his people will forever thrive because they have a forever share in the forever life of god through the resurrection of their king as micah prophesied this means jesus will be great He will arise and shepherd His flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord His God, and we will remain. Why? Because listen to this. Because at that time, He will be great. Where? To the ends of the earth. Let me ask you a question. Does your life and your attitude reflect the greatness of the King you are privileged to serve? When I was in college, George Bush was running for president, and he made a campaign stop in Roanoke, Virginia. And a call came in to the college Republicans at Virginia Tech, hey, we need volunteers to serve in the president, or the possible presidential, motorcade. he's running for president, he was governor of Texas, so in the governor's motorcade. He's surrounded by Texas, guess what, I said yes. I'll do that. I'm on that. And they said to me, they said, we need you to drive the lead car. I said, well, that's great. That'd be awesome. What they told me later was they meant the lead car of luggage, which was, which was way behind President Bush. Okay, I did finally get to meet him and shake his hand. But you know what? It didn't matter to me. It didn't, mean, it didn't matter to me if it was the last car of luggage or the lead car of luggage. It didn't matter. You you could have put me in in a trailer that was being towed by the motorcade just to be able to say, I get to be in a motorcade of somebody who might be the President of the United States. That's pretty awesome. That is great. What about when we hear that we still have needs in our preschool ministry? So that young boys and girls who can't even speak the name of Jesus yet, might have modeled for them Christ-like service? What about when the Spirit of God prompts you to do something special for your neighbor to show them the love of Christ? What about when your king says, it's, it's time to stop tipping God And it's time to be a sacrificial giver for the sake of the name of my King to the ends of the earth. Is He great in your life? Is the King that was announced and conceived and born through Mary to die and rescue you, is He great in your life? Jesus will be great To the ends of the earth. He's the king. And our lives should display his regal splendor. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, we must see that Jesus is the son of God. Something dangerous happened this week. I went to Disney World. And we didn't get our tickets until the day before we arrived, which means the first day we were there, we didn't have any fast passes. You know what happens at Disney World when you don't have fast passes? People get cranky because you're standing in long lines. And you know what happens when you're standing in long lines? You get a chance to think. I actually wrote this message the week before I left, but it's very different than the message that I had written because I began to ponder and to meditate even more as I was in those lines at the magic kingdom, which wasn't seeming so magical. And I began to think about Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, he's the pre existent Son of God. He is God the Son, just like his Father is God the Father. He existed before time. Everything that exists, He made. There's never a time that He was not. And He came to be King. And I thought about, well, why why couldn't Jesus just be Son of Man? Why does He also have to be Son of God? And I got, got to thinking about Saul. You remember King Saul? Do you remember why the Israelites ever even got King Saul? It's because they wanted to have a king like the nation's. They weren't and, and they wanted they wanted to be like the surrounding world. But we were made, we know from Genesis 1 forward, we were made to know God as our king and listen to the heart of God in this verse. In 1 Samuel 8:7, as God gives them King Saul, notice what God himself says to his people. They have rejected me from being king over them. God wants to be your king. God wants to be with His people. God wants to know you and, and to love you and for you to know Him and to enjoy Him forever. We, this is what we were made for. Not just to recognize His regal splendor but to enjoy it. God wants us to enjoy Him as our King. We were made to follow and to know and to enjoy not just a great King, but God as our King. That's why Gabriel announces that Jesus will be the Son of the Most High in verse 32 and the Son of God in verse 35. Two ways of saying essentially the same thing. Jesus is not just a human son and a Davidic King. He is also the Son of God. He is begotten in time through Mary so that we may share in what is rightfully His as the eternally and only begotten Son of the Father. So when Jesus comes at Christmas, we receive Him and follow Him in the mission of building His kingdom. When we do this, we don't just get God's King, we get God as our King. And if God is your King, then pray tell, why aren't we being bolder? For the sake of His kingdom. You see, if God is your King, it means the kingdom is operative in and through the church in the here and now. We're not waiting for Jesus to become King. We're following our King and awaiting His return as we pray, Thy kingdom come. We also work to extend the kingdom knowing that God the King is over us and He's with us and He's for us in the work of extending His kingdom. Why do we celebrate Christmas North Roanoke Baptist Church? We celebrate Christmas because of who Jesus is. He's the Son of Woman who crushes Satan. He's the Son of Man who substitutes Himself for my sin. He's the Son of David who builds and leads God's forever kingdom. And He's the Son of God who gives us God Himself. Emmanuel, God with us. As we labor together in the kingdom for the sake of the name of the great King that we will worship and serve forever. We celebrate Christmas, brothers and sisters, because of who Jesus is. And we're going to delight and celebrate the identity of Jesus, the gift of Christmas, by coming together at the table and partaking of the bread and the crushed fruit of the vine, and being reminded, apart from the fact that Christ came as mediator for us, we would have no hope. So as our deacons prepare to serve the Lord's Supper, would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, as our deacons come, we ask that you would help us to prepare our hearts. Lord, that as we reflect on Your identity as announced from the angel Gabriel, that we would be not just enamored with the mystery of the Gospel, but that we would be drawn deeper into it. Lord, cause us, as we reflect in these few moments, cause us to see the greatness of our God. Cause us to see the greatness of our of Christ our King and cause us to ask the question, is there anything that I'm doing or anything that I'm not doing? God, that you would call me to this day before I partake of the bread and the crushed fruit of the vine, that you would call me to get right, to make right, or to do better, or to improve upon So that the world might know and that my life might demonstrate that Jesus Christ is our great, great King. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.